0: What's up, Dolphins fans, and welcome to another episode of Locked on Dolphins. It is the Wednesday, January 19th, 2022 edition of the show. And on today, we are taking an updated look at the Miami Dolphins' ongoing head coach search. And in addition, a little bit of insight to developing quarterbacks, courtesy of an interview that I conducted for uh, another one of the outlets that you can find some of my work at. So, all that more here today, Locked on Dolphins. You are Locked on Dolphins, your daily Miami Dolphins podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Dolphins fans? This is your host, Kyle Krabs, here. Another episode of Locked on Dolphins. Excited to get this thing started today give a little bit of an update on the head coaching search, talk about quarterback development, some good stuff. Uh, I'm your host, Kyle Krabs here on Locked on Dolphins, director of scouting at thedraftnetwork.com, lifelong Miami Dolphins fan. I want to thank you for making Locked on Dolphins your first Miami Dolphins listen of the day. So we have some completed interviews uh, for Miami Dolphins head coaching candidates Uh, We have an interview today, which is the one who uh, everybody, I think, uh, uh, at least a lot of the social media timeline is pretty excited about hearing about, and that's San Francisco 49ers offensive coordinator Mike McDaniel. Uh, That one is happening today via Zoom. Uh, The 49ers, of course, still in the playoffs, uh, so it kind of puts a restricted schedule on San Francisco and McDaniel and his availability, Uh, but as things currently stand, Miami traveled over the weekend, and they did conduct, even though they haven't announced anything, because of course, why would they make life easy on us as fans to know who they've conducted and completed their interviews on? They're, They're not announcing who their interviews are with, and that has led to a lot of questions amongst Dolphins fans, and that's why I thought it was important for us to provide that little bit of a snapshot update. Uh, so the Dolphins traveled over the weekend. They completed their interviews with both Buffalo Bills coordinators, Brian Dable, the offensive coordinator, who, of course, worked with Tua Valoa uh, in 2017 at the University of Alabama, and Leslie Frazier. Uh, who's been a long tenure coach in the NFL has had head coaching experience in the past. He's one of the few former head coaches uh, who is getting any level of interest. Uh, we haven't heard anything, uh, never mind from the Dolphins, but we also haven't heard any reported scheduled interviews for the likes of Doug Peterson and Jim Caldwell, who, of course, were the top two names on my personal list. I digress. They also, um, in addition to having an interview, Set up with Mike McDaniel, which will happen today. The Dolphins uh, are set to interview later this week. I believe Thursday is the magic day for this one. Don't quote me, though. Uh, to interview Dallas Cowboys offensive coordinator, Kellen Moore. Uh, Kellen Moore, of course, uh, much critiqued on the timeline because of the play call at the end of the game for the Dallas Cowboys with the QB draw, uh, when the 49ers were playing picket fence defense uh, in in a two-minute offense situation for Dallas and simply ran out of time and and could not execute the play. There's also a very real realm of possibility that uh, that Dak Prescott perhaps ran that play too deep and didn't get down soon enough to preserve enough time. And he certainly didn't help his cause by not giving the ball back to the referee. So there's a realm there's, there's in the multiverse of outcomes in the NFL, there are outcomes in which that play call probably would have worked. Uh, not that it necessarily would have guaranteed them a win. They still would have had to score a touchdown uh, in a one play scenario or hope for a defensive pass interference to extend the game, whatever. Um, Kellen Moore later this week. It sounds like Dan Quinn is not going to get away from the Denver Broncos. He is a very heavy favorite at this point in time to serve as the Denver Broncos' next head coach. Is that a bad thing? It depends. I'm not super high on Dan Quinn as a candidate. I do understand he has had a successful uh, tenure in Atlanta. He built a really good assistant coaching staff. Uh, But a lot of those assistants have since moved on and become head coaches in their own right. Most notably Kyle Shanahan. Uh, So it was fun seeing Shanahan versus Quinn in that playoff game uh, when you're looking at it through the scope of coaching and uh, of course Miami being interested in uh, parties on both sides. So we don't have any clarity. It doesn't appear as though there's light at the end of the tunnel. Um, we're kind of playing the waiting game right now. Maybe somebody knocks their socks off and they move quickly, but I would expect uh, them to be thorough, and, and this process is probably going to be another couple weeks. Uh, I would venture to guess by the start of February, we'll have our answer. I don't think we're going to have to wait, uh, unless they pick a Super Bowl run. I don't think we're going to have to wait that long. Um, mm, Maybe best case scenario midweek next week, we get our answer uh, depending on who loses in the divisional round, uh, if Miami gets the follow-ups that they may want to. But there are teams out there that have already undergone second or follow-up interviews with candidates. Um, Nobody that Miami has on their short lists at this point in time. Um, So I think that is worth mentioning and worthwhile. Um, I believe Nathaniel Hackett, the offensive coordinator from Green Bay, has gotten a second interview. Uh, Iberflus, the defensive coordinator from Indianapolis, he's gotten a second interview. I believe that one was with Jacksonville. So uh, there are certain teams that are further ahead in this process than others, and Jacksonville should be further ahead. They fired Urban Meyer midseason. So we just are going to have to continue to ride this thing out, stay patient, and uh, as we get updates, you'll have them here on locked on dolphins. And uh, when that big shoe drops, I've been trying to watch the interviews for a lot of these guys, the press conference availabilities kind of get a feel for ideologies that I can kind of pick apart. And of course, an introductory head coach presser is always different. Um, I remember the Brian Flores one uh, was entertaining because um, it kind of set the pillars for what they would always come back to on press availabilities works hard games important to him. Uh, he's unselfish. He's smart. You could kind of work through the punch list by the end of the, the Brian Flores three years of pressers that he did and kind of know how he was going to answer a lot of questions, uh, as you heard the questions being asked. So, uh, I'm hoping our next head coach, Uh, selfishly from a media standpoint gives you a little bit more substance in their interactions but that's not on my personal list of of criteria for a hire I'll say that Uh, what is on my personal list of criteria is delicious protein bars and that's why built bar is my go to choice it's the new year which means new year's resolutions if yours is about getting fit or eating healthier make sure you include built bar in your plan Built bars, the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. Makes it easier to stick your resolution because it tastes so good. You'll want to eat it unlike other protein bars that can be chalky or waxy or taste like a chemical spill or the bottom of your shoe. Most Built Bars contain 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. Compare that to a candy bar and you'll find it's exponentially less in all of the bad macros. Uh, so here's an idea. And all your snack stashes, dump them out and fill them up with Built Bar. You can go to built.com and use promo code lock15 to save 15% off your next order. That is built.com, promo code lock15 to save 15% off your next order. So, for those of you who aren't Super familiar with my entire background. I know I mentioned this at the top of every show, but I am the director of scouting over at thedraftnetwork.com, and, and by extension of that, uh, I do a podcast centered around the NFL draft, and, and it's entitled Draft Dudes. And we had a guest on for today's show. We did the interview on Tuesday uh, with quarterback guru uh, Jordan Palmer, who's phenomenal. He's being very gracious with his time. Uh he's very, very accomplished in the space. He played in the league. Um, yes, he's related to Carson. And um some of his most notable proteges or students uh as of the last couple of years include Josh Allen and Joe Burrow, our quarterbacks that he's worked with. And this year he's working with Carson Strong um he's working with Desmond Ritter Strong's from Nevada Ritter is from Cincinnati those guys are potential first round picks um Kyle Allen who started at Washington for a while he worked with Deshaun Watson at one point, so he has a very notable list of, of quarterbacks that he's had a lot of success with and, and have seen success in the pros and the guy I do the podcast uh, draft dudes with Joe Marino Uh, We're the best of friends, which against all odds, because he is a fan of the team from Western New York. But we were talking about quarterback evaluation and uh, quarterback training and quarterback development on this podcast, which draft dudes would highly recommend, especially today's episode, because uh, the tail end of the conversation gets into some of the nitty gritty with um, quarterback development. And uh, I was hoping Jordan was going to take it the place that he did when he asked the question because I asked a question that was not specific to the Miami Dolphins, but was specific to quarterback development. And he had just got done talking about uh, Josh Allen and you know the performance that he had for Buffalo against New England and how he was effectively unstoppable against the Patriots in the wildcard round. And he had five; he has many touchdowns that he accounted for as he did incomplete passes and Buffalo scored touchdowns on their first seven possessions of the football game. Like they did not punt It's unbelievable. They, they boat race, the Patriots. And Jordan had said in talking about the training that he had with Josh and where Josh is at now that the most common denominators for quarterback success, and I think this is important for Tua as we you know, transition into this offseason, regardless of whether or not you are a personal, as a Dolphins fan, somebody who believes in Tua Tagovailoa as a franchise quarterback or not, regardless of what your, your thoughts are on that specific topic. If this is the plan, then we have to discuss what needs to happen for it to be successful. Or as successful as it, it possibly can be. And Jordan talked about with Josh the common denominators for really high level quarterback play are a strong commitment to the process. And what he meant by that was the maintenance and the TLC and the uh, attention to detail with one's body. We don't know where two is at on that front, uh, but we do know with the hip rehab. That was required coming into his rookie season and then this past off season was about increasing his fitness and his density and changing his body composition i would imagine that level of commitment to both rehab and strength and conditioning has taken away his ability to some degree to really be focused on the biomechanics of throwing the football And throughout the course of this season, especially the last four games of the year, you saw a lot of bad habits with the feet, Uh, his feet not being aligned to throw. If he's parallel to the line of scrimmage with his feet and he's trying to throw the ball downfield and throw it with velocity, his lower half is locked. He's not able to generate any force or create any energy, as Jordan had said it, through the ground, through his base, to throw the football. So it becomes all arm. And when you don't have an elite arm, that doesn't fly, right? And that's something that we saw with two is a lot of those throws over the middle of the field when he was not set in a line to throw. Ball misses high. It's a turnover worthy play. You have some near interceptions, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So I thought that that part of it was interesting. Uh, but the other thing that he had talked about was confidence. And he, he went into a pretty intimate level of detail. And of course, he he knows Josh. He's worked with Josh for a, a long time. So he knows all of the dynamics that are at play. And he mentioned the name Brian Dable and what Brian Dable has done over the course of four years of working with Josh Allen. And he mentioned the back or the third string quarterback, Davis Webb, who Josh Allen has a really tight relationship with and serves as Josh's eyes on the field from the sideline. And he mentioned the quarterback's coach, Ken Dorsey. And he mentioned bringing in their starting center, Mitch Morse, who the year before had served as Patrick Mahomes' starting center uh, in 2018 uh, from year one to year two for Josh. And he mentioned the addition of Stefan Diggs and what he brought to the field. And his point was it takes a village to develop a quarterback and whether or not the Dolphins plan works or not. I think it's important to to put Jordan's perspective on quarterback development and apply it to the lens of Tua. If he feels the number one most important common denominator in high-level quarterback play is confidence, and he said there's, there's not a lot of true busts at the NFL level for quarterbacks. They're all very physically talented and gifted. Yeah, there's guys like Jamarcus Russell. And I, I don't know if you guys have heard the story, but oh, when they had Jamarcus Russell in with the Raiders, they gave him a blank DVD and sent him home and told him to pick out plays. And I don't remember who told this story, but they sent him home with a blank DVD and said, hey, pick out the plays you like out of this 15-play package and we'll put them in this week, put them in the game plan. And Jamarcus came in the next day and said, I'm good with all of them. Well, they're sitting there looking at each other and like, it's a blank DVD. Holy shit. So, uh, there are always going to be players like that at every position. Uh, but Jordan's larger point was there's not a lot of players that are true, honest to goodness busts. And more often than not, teams fail at developing quarterbacks as compared to players failing and busting themselves at that position and he also made a good point in mentioning expectations for a lot of these guys because of rapid turnaround performances from guys like justin herbert and joe burrow um, kind of set an expectation level that for some guys might not be realistic and i know we all when the dolphins drafted to a tongue of a low at five everybody's expectations were Tank for Tua. this guy's going to save the franchise, he's going to come in, we're going to get quote-unquote Bama Tua, and he's going to throw the ball all over the field. Hasn't happened. And if that's your hopes and your expectations in year three for Tua, I would kindly ask you to reconsider, because I don't ever think that Bama Tua is going to show up in the NFL. And he doesn't have to. But what the Dolphins need to do is they need to get serious and they need to be honest about supporting this player if that is the pathway they are committed to to give him an honest chance at player development. An honest chance. And if you get through the season and you reassess and you say, hey, we gave him an honest opportunity and we put our best foot forward, and we aligned ourselves as best as we possibly could to position him for success, and the trajectory that he is on is not going to match up with the competitiveness of the rest of the roster, then you make a change. And that, depending on what head coaching decision they make, and depending on who else they bring in, that decision could be made this offseason. And a coach would be well within their right to do that if they chose to do that. But the expectation, as we heard this past week, was that Miami expects to support Tua and work to build around him for 2022. And I think about what Jordan Palmer had said. It takes a village. It takes a lot of belief. It takes a lot of investment. It takes a lot of concentrated resources to instill the confidence in that quarterback to play at a high level. And the question that I would ask, applying that filter to this position and developing players at this position, just ask yourself the question, have the Dolphins done anything other than drafting Jalen Waddell to instill confidence into a tongue of a law? And I think you'll find the answer is no. And if you come to that conclusion, and Brian Flores was indeed the uh, main character behind the scenes that was driving for a change, and again, this is regardless of whether or not the evaluation of Tua being good or bad or promising, with potential, without potential, a dead end, whatever your opinions are, Just look at the process that has led us to this point and ask yourself, what have the Dolphins done to instill confidence in this player? And that really struck me because my question is the follow-up to when Jordan was talking about Josh Allen and what Buffalo and the village that they have put together has done for him. The follow-up that I had had was, in your experience, how rare is it to find teams that get that process right? And as you would not be surprised to hear, it's pretty rare. BetOnline would like to wish you a happy new betting year as we continue to march through the playoffs. BetOnline remains the number one spot for all the best sports wagering action for 2022. With a new year, there's a new updated desktop and mobile website. You can sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit using promo code ON to get started from football, basketball, hockey, boxing, UFC, Write your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for 2022. online is the fastest and easiest way to waver, wager on all of your favorite sports. And it is where the game starts. Which brings me um, to my closing thoughts on quarterback development for Tua Tonga Valoa. Because Jordan had said, no, he gave a great example. He played with Blaine Gabber in Jacksonville. And then he served as a private coach for both Trevor Lawrence and Blake Bortles. He said, I have coached three top ten draft selections, or I've I am on my third top 10 draft selection at the quarterback position for the Jacksonville Jaguars. And it is not a coincidence that that organization or team continues to find themselves in the same spot. Because they continue to do it poorly. And my thought with that is there was a lot of what was built to us with this rebuild and this regime that was instilled in 2019 that felt like it was legitimately different than the business and the way they the, the Miami Dolphins had conducted business. It was focused on a collaborative effort. It was focused in building through the draft initially, coveting salary cap flexibility, structuring and strategically attacking the salary cap in the right way, being honest and building a foundation of a team, those were not hallmarks and staples of the Dolphins, and that was, was was so exciting about it for me because it was a tendency breaker for them. And it says, okay, like you, you guys are going to take this seriously now. You've assessed yourselves, and you've been honest with yourself. And I don't personally agree with the decision to fire Brian Flores, but I was also not in the room. I was not involved. And some of the reports that have come out since, I understand. The Dolphins are trying to control the narrative. And so is Brian Flores. Depending on who you talk to and depending on where you get your news, you're going to have very different pictures of either side of the fence. And the truth is probably somewhere in the middle. But if the Dolphins are going to break the vicious cycle of continuously doing the same things over and over again, it feels like now that the dust has settled, A change was probably necessary to maintain the collaborative effort. And I understand that some old school guys look at this this Dolphins decision and they say, oh, well, they just went the soft route and they went the non-confrontational route. But in-house fighting is all this team has known since Steven Ross has taken over. So if you are going to get whether it's for Tua or somebody else in the grand scheme of things, if you're going to get this organization right so that you can construct the village it requires to nurture and develop a young quarterback and instill them in confidence, you have to avoid the toxic environment that this team has been so known for for the last 12 years and that means the change was probably necessary at head coach based on the reports that have come out regardless of who the guilty party was and again regardless of whether or not the beneficiary of this commitment to change the environment is Tua Tungvaloa, or somebody else. I thought it was a really fascinating conversation to get Jordan's perspective on it. If you'd like to draft dudes podcast, highly recommend because listening to me, get on my soapbox here and talk for 30 minutes a day, surely isn't enough for you. You'd probably love a little bit more. And if you would, great news, you can do so draft dudes podcast interview with Jordan Palmer out today. Keep an eye out for that. And I want to thank you guys for tuning into the show. Hope you guys enjoyed. Uh, I loved getting Jordan's perspective and, and thought, I have to bring this to this audience and this platform as well. So hope you guys enjoyed the conversation. Kyle Krabs, keep it locked in right here on Locked on Dolphins. Make it a great Wednesday. We will be back tomorrow with another show. Keep it locked in. Fins up.